0: If, if you guys want coffee, there's Diane. want to some cups out? Yeah. I don't know if there's, uh, Jack was trying to deal with something with the cream, but it didn't look very good.
1: Our usual coffee people aren't here. I have a backup plans. backup plans. I make the pot, but that's all I got to offer. So
0: everybody else can't get the rest of it. a couple minutes late people are organizing things we have to get their coffee that um Oh.
1: All right, well, we're all here. We got some online
0: folks. Let's see if anyone's hiding. Oh, Ed and Mimi, we see him. Welcome.
1: Let us pray. The blessed Lord has caused all holy scriptures written for our learning. Grant, we may in such wise hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them. That by patience and comfort of thy holy word we may embrace and never hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which has given us in our Savior Jesus Christ. Hello to all. Our last Advent Bible study, but not our last study uh, in James. We got uh, James
0: five next week. And it is dawning on me in reading through James that, um, you know, I, I do think that there, there are, there are sort of two. Two
1: influences that seem to be pretty if, if he wasn't consciously aware of this, certainly he certainly uh, pushes this way, and that is that one is St. Paul and the doctrine of justification by faith taken to an extreme to say we just need to believe and it doesn't really matter how we behave, where James is hammering that at every point, and certainly everything he says uh, St. Paul would agree with, but he's Approaching it from a much more um, within Judaism, what does authentic Torah observance look like versus St. Paul's sort of the, the the Gospel to the Gentiles in terms of 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 the the promise of salvation by faith? And they come together. But the other thing, the earth, uh, I, we've mentioned that in the study already, but the other thing that's very that seems to me is that there's where it's not over, there's a lot of Sermon on the Mount background in this thing. Because he's getting into the essence of what you know. That's where you, James, he's the brother of our Lord, that's kind of the resonance with with um, with um, Jesus. He comes into is the, the true interior faith. Um, get it today. You know, it's not just don't murder, it's look at your anger. Not just, you know, it's not just the outward action, but it's the, and and um, so he's looking a little bit inwardly that way. So let's jump in at uh, chapter four, which is today's,
0: uh, and uh, walk our way through. So where do wars and fights come
1: from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? Now, wars and fights here, he clearly isn't thinking on a global scale about war. He's clearly talking about communal squabbles. Why is your community at, why are you at odds? Why are you have warring factions in your church or your synagogue or whatever? You know, know, James would have been very early on in terms of what that looks like. Um, And and it's interesting that we, um, we too frequently tolerate the existing of warring factions in the church uh, where. uh, And I thought um, Hayden's sermon last Sunday about uh, rejoicing the Lord always coming on the heels of the Philippians of the squabble between Iodia and Syntyche uh, that it, it doesn't mean that there aren't tensions it doesn't mean that we don't prefer things one way and others prefer it another way, and we're, you know, we have a preference matters. It,
0: I think it means that um, there's a
1: bond of faith that rises above that. That's what forbearance comes from. And we understand that we, we receive and we, we make a clear distinction between immorality and heresy, and the thing I want, the thing you want. and heresy, we, we have a, no, this is a, something the whole church has to stand again. Then in the more discretionary things, we we, we, we have to develop a maturity, develops the ability to subsume personal preference beneath the ideal of communal unity. Um, he says, so, where do wars and fights come? He said, they not come from your desires for pleasure. Now, literally, the, the word says, do not come from your pleasure, the war in your members. And you have to be careful doing this in um, Greek, because it, it, it doesn't mean that if a Greek word led to an English word, that the Greek word made everything the English word eventually meant. But where the pleasure is where you get a word for hedonism from. your... It doesn't come from your own, you want things the way you want things. And you can even think about that in, we could think about that, yeah, I want, um, you know, you could think of, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a sort of basic appetite level, I want a big cup of coffee, I want food, I want this, but also just the general preference, I want it the way I want it. I don't want to be troubled. They have to deal with you who stand in my way the way I want it. So I'm going to run you over. And so, we, so where where's it come from? Well, it comes I, I, I want it the way I want it. I'm valuing my interior movement towards pleasure over the greater good of the community. And that's where I, I think if you really examine in church, again, we want to be careful here because conflict is not a bad thing. It's how you fight. If you don't have a church where people have differences of opinion, very few creative things will take place. And you really get to, um, a greater understanding of of truth and of people through the discipline of conflict where, um, in, in the tension, if there could be a discussion, a back and forth, a listening, you might move the thing forward a little bit. That the conflict though, when it's just, and this is very cultural right now, in our culture, nobody listens to anybody. So you just choose the side and, and you're, so this suggests that in church, and I, I would say it would extend even into the culture, that your role in this is, is you have a strong opinion for something, but then go talk to your enemy, person who's, you know, uh, especially in the body of Christ, who believes differently. Might end up thinking, you know, they're just—they don't think they really get that. But you can hear, you can, uh, you can try to understand, and then you can forbear instead of the, in, you know, and then instead of the the um, the pet tendency to maybe gather my group. Like-minded people, and start singling out those who are against us, gossiping about them. Uh, so, I think this is the idea: desires for pleasure. Just, but desire for pleasure, more, more specifically, is I want things the way I want things. Um,
0: and on some le- and,
1: and I think it's also magnified in our culture because, I don't think we're really aware, I think I'm, I I have been continuing epiphanies on this, how much the consumer culture and the idea that you're going to be made happy by buying things you want, Christmas is on steroids, This that you're going to be happy by buying things you want, permeates us. It sneaks over and okay, what things I want I'm gonna be happy when things are the way I want them to be. And a lot of the misery of our culture is the revelation over time of just how much a lie
0: that is. Whether it's my,
1: my my personal consumer preference, whether it is anything I want that might separate me from communal connection.
0: And I militantly war for it,
1: and I get it. And what happens down the road is there, there I am, everything I want all by myself, misery, and turns out the thing didn't make me happy. What actually, I've, I, I think this is what the, the Church is the Body of Christ highlights, is what really fulfills us is deep connection with God and deep connection with other people. And so the sacrifice for, um, you know, we had that prayer, uh, us that peace and unity according to your will. The sacrifice I make for what I want to stay in community with others is actually ultimately something that is fulfilling. And that's kind of the dynamic of community. We could all demand things to be different than we want didn't like the hymn, didn't like the thing, didn't like the way Father preaches, didn't like the, I like this guy, I like that guy. And those are all fine. Yeah, I mean, listen, we're not, we're not, um, our personal preferences are not unimportant, but when they're exalted in the point, therefore I will war for my point and ignore people who feel differently. And, and, and but it, but again, the point I, I, the point I was just, launching off on is i won't be made happy by that because i'll end up by my even i especially if i win the battle it becomes a pure victory because i've I've got it all the way i want it i mean i think this is true even in you know i've even had you know i I don't want to claim any any great performance on this but people sometimes say well the church is the way you want it's like no it's not (laughs) It look a lot different if I just did everything the way I wanted it. But then if I want, then people, then then there would be no discussion, and people would go away, and I, I could I win. I've seen people do that. They won. Yeah. You, well, that you, you've got a handful of devoted followers who are equally or, yeah, who are equally as mad at everyone else as yeah. you are, yeah, and, exactly. and 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 who will not tolerate it. And so. Um. This is this so so this is culturally the idea that that the unity of the body is more important than personal subjective preference on the side. Again, not heresy not morality but personal subjective presence by the way things should be that that's what he, I think this is what he's really getting
0: at So, verse 2, you lust
1: and do not have. Now, the word for lust in the New Testament, um, it typically is heard sexually. But it, it's, it's just in general the word for desire. I, I, I want something. And it could be sexual. It could be anything I, you know, I, 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 I sort of lust after. Um, but you don't have it. Now, the second line is interesting. You murder and covet and cannot team. And this word, the Sermon on the Mount kind of echoes me. I don't think James means you've actually killed people. I think he means you want these things and you slander and you, um, as Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, you've heard, thou shalt do no murder. But I say if you're angry with your brother, you're guilty. So I think this is what James has in mind. It's inconceivable that he's riding people, oh, you've killed some people, gotta stop doing that. You know, like it's, but but the killing of, um, the killing in the sense of malice harbored in my heart towards another, expressed in nasty speech and divisive action, get what I want. I murder, I, 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 push people aside, I grab what
0: I want. Um, I, yeah. You murder your own place to live. soul. The dynasty. Murdering your soul in a way. I don't know, you're murdering your soul from, not dying to yourself.
1: Well, there's, there's there's an interesting thing here. I would like to, I, I, this is uh, Cheryl's bringing something up because we do get this whole dying to self thing, and I, I do want to. It might be worthy here to um, l- let me read through verse three, and then we'll, let's 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 kind of unpack what I want to unpack about this. You lust and don't have. You murder and covenant cannot obtain. You fight in war. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Um, and so there is this um, idea that that you know in the New Testament it says that we, we die to self and live for God. Now there's a sense in which that can be taken in the wrong direction, as though what you want doesn't matter at all. And this manifests itself in the person who does everything for others, becomes a kind of doormat who never takes stock of what they really want.
0: And um, so there's a balance here. There's a... um, You know, a framework of of
1: of understanding systems that we follow, called family systems theory, it talks about this tension between individuality and togetherness and um
0: is your microphone on. So? It's hmm?
1: in there working no nope, here hold on a, a second. second let me I, I think i can do this on the uh and maybe close the door I think I, I think I can do it on this okay. No, we're know whether no not but let me just but if somebody like close the door to you because i hear the vacuum going yes, yes,
0: the the yeah no the, the door into the church at the end can you still hear it yes so uh-huh. Still hear yep Yep. Yeah. Okay. No, he uh, while he's doing that, I looked up a uh, luke eight. I looked up this verse um where this word desire is. It says, in that when Jesus is saying that which fell among the thorns are language, when they occur, they go to our. But they're choked with the cares and riches and pleasures, the desires of this life, and bring no fruit to perfection. <coughs> so
1: that's what Jesus was talking about. These
0: the so, so, um, so, so, so the tension between
1: togetherness and individuality means that you are an individual who, who have a certain personality, you think certain things, and you want certain things. And then we come to a group and the group often demands a kind of conformity to some ideal. And, and so when we look at what it means to be healthy, um, I can sacrifice everything I think and want just to be part of the group. And that's a kind of uh, anxious unity, which often passes for real unity in the church. You can't just get along you say, well, I, I, don't, I don't agree with this, just come on. Instead of saying, well, what don't you agree with? What do you think about that? What do you think? And then we, we're still committed to unity, but the tension, we're not afraid to hear what someone else thinks about it, and we can talk things through in a way that, that where individuals enter into a group, interact with an overarching concern for the unity. But I can I can either um, what we call fuse with the group and just make sure peace at all costs, just all get along. they will talk about that. Or that's that's the overemphasis on togetherness, or I can overemphasize my individuality and say, you know, screw all you, I'm out of here. Yeah, you're impossible. And so the real ideal of health, then, is that I don't run away, but I also don't sacrifice what I think and heal. I can express myself. I can say, this is what I think about this. Um, and then, so, so what I, um, I think we talk about sacrificing self um, can only really be done if I am strong enough not to do that. And so some have a very weak sense of self, okay, I'll give this, yeah, I'll do this, I'll do this, and they're always doing things. And then later on, you know, kind of subtle resentment creeps in. Like oh, no, one, no one appreciates me. Sure they do, because they appreciate a lot, cause you just do everything and and that's that's the deal. I ask you do and what 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 are you upset about? But but health is more understanding this comes sort of out of vocation that Okay, I'm called to serve. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give in these areas, but someone might say, can you do this? You might say, no, given what I'm called to do in my time, I can't do that. I'll say no. So the yes here is dependent upon the ability to say no here. And that's how the sacrifice of self is the willing yielding of self for the greater good. Um, And when we, um, we can either be so intransigent that we'll never give on our things, never never willingly yield what we want for the greater good, or we can be so weak in the sense of ourself that we will just always give. And the health is in the balance there about the self. So, and, and, and the other thought about that with your desires, which aren't bad, but we need to be them, have them refined, redirected. And so I think the ideal or idea and ideal here is that as with the firm sense of self, we, we, we express what we want and need, have a willingness to sacrifice the greater good, but also to stand when we need to. Um, in that interaction in, in the unity and individuality over the long run, I will get
0: more of what I really want.
1: Carol mentioned, if you couldn't hear online, that isn't this true in all relationships? And yes, the I'm articulating a point of view that comes from something called family systems theory, which grew out of research into the family unit, but but it is held to apply to every system. That healthy systems balance togetherness and individuality, and 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 suffer in an unhealthy way when One of those is exalted at the expense of the other. When um, unity is exalted at the expense of individuality, there tends to be a lack of creativity, a lack of movement forward, you get stuck, because you can't, because nobody can confront the error. There's no profit to say, you know, that would be, say, like a family is with an addiction problem, and you know one's gonna step up and say, no, and and because I'm saying no without running away from it. Now I'm still here, every time we get together, I'm gonna say no. You get because when you run away, then you lie yeah, they're just difficult. So so that's always the healthy balance. It's very, very hard. Conceptually, yeah. It's harder and the more anxiety the more you're connected to the system and its anxiety, the harder it will be for you to differentiate, not fuse or run away. And that's why we, we consider spiritual growth and emotional health to be caught up in that. And it's rather the New Testament, honestly. First Corinthians 12, um, we're all baptized into one body, but we're all uniquely individual members with gifts. And the whole project of unity is how do we make this work? That is what we do. But, but the rules of the game are, speak the truth in love. I disagree with you. What do you, okay, yeah, I, I say okay, but I'm not running away. You disagree, we understand that we don't have to have that fear that every, um, and a lot of people, what happens in church is a lot of people bring the dynamics from their own families into the church setting, and in their own families, every time there's a disagreement, the whole thing fell apart. So they, they've been in church, it's like, okay, we can have it. We have to learn the new pattern and learn the, the 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 new healthy relationships in the body of Christ. So, getting back to our text, yes, please, yes. Said, yeah. Can
0: you?
1: Well, I think the, I think the prophetic, um, the prophetic, the power of the prophet in this thing I'm I'm articulating is that he. He stands apart from the fusion of the group, but he doesn't run away. And if you look at Jesus throughout his ministry in the New Testament, this sense of differentiation is present everywhere. He goes to dinner at the home of the Pharisee. He can eat there, but he's not going to put up with a BS. He calls out the lack of charity on the part of the host. You'd never do that if you were a rabbi going to this you know, some, some big mucky muck's house. But he didn't run away. He didn't Now, he did it in the temple. He did throw over the over tables there, but that's a different thing. He didn't, he didn't run away from me just like, here I am. What are you going to do with it? Well, ultimately what they're going to do is they're going to kill him because nobody can stand to hear what he has to say. But in our own prophetic role in life, it's a very hard place. Prophets, it's hard to be a prophet read about Jeremiah, or read about Ezekiel. Nobody wanted to hear it, and God made him all kinds of weird things, like sit out in the field and light some, I don't know what he did with like cow manure, all, there's all kinds we'll of things, like,
0: like, huh? We'll
1: but that's um, Hosea, yeah, that's Hosea. Yeah, and so, but, but staying in the midst of a tension system, speaking the truth and not running away. And ask for the power is not speaking the truth and running away. That's why no nothing changes in our culture, because everybody. no here's what the problem is politically: is no one can be a prophet towards their
0: own group. No one can stand up
1: within the left or right and say, "Here's the point: we need to, we need to, we're inconsistent." They can only try to be prophets to the people who, who they oppose. And, but they're cut off from them, so the existence of each group is already a unity pointing a finger at the other and seeing the other as the absolute enemy. Until you can have the prophetic critique come from within
0: said, to transform
1: it, you right? can't, Was that? Jesus
0: said, take the law out of your
1: own. Right. But 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 that also could just be Individual, so you have to after you take the log out of your own, I you have to stay in in relationship with the people who. So that's so my my point here. Can I,
0: can I, so it speaks to that sometimes when you do you do take that profit so that sometimes people will try to kill you <laughs> and sometimes they will. But what I've learned often too is they will leave you. They want so Jesus kind of gave that. There's wise people, there's fools, you know, garden variety of fools, and then there's evil, which is probably less. So, oh, it. So when we take that role, you'll have either someone will be wise and say, "You're right, you're so right about that," or you know, they, they realize they were that they were a fool over it. Or someone will, laugh and leave you. Well, and and, and the, the, the
1: distinction there is that. Um,
0: they want to kill Jesus.
1: It seems like, is that sometimes in our systems we want to be prophets, but we really need the other to hear us and understand us. Right. So our truly prophetic voice is moderated by the
0: need to be accepted. And
1: we have to be able to, if we're going to stand on something we believe in, it can't be captive to the need for a result. And what um, I think that's right, when you take on a prophetic role, there's always opposition. Uh, the system is calls it sabotage. Anytime somebody attempts something new that will move something forward, there'll be systemic sabotage, undermine it and try to bring it back to the homeostasis of the status quo. Therefore, in order to create real change, You have to be that prophetic voice, but you have to stay, endure through the sabotage, and then, in the long run, the system will adjust to you because you're a part, a member of the system. And if you don't run away, it has to adjust to you. And and so, if if
0: we also need support,
1: if you look at if
0: if you look at
1: Jesus, who didn't run away he reconfigured all of Israel on his prophetic message sacrifice so um, but the other problem of being a prophet is often great impact comes after you're dead
0: yeah. nobody like nobody liked Jeremiah
1: but now it's Jeremiah a prophet that was because I said, you know, a generation later, like, oh, that dude was right. So there's some advanced there. So let's get back here to our text. Um,
0: can I just say, though, you can't be that profit without support either. Because I know I've talked to other women that, you know, they have to face this big thing. And I'll say, how much support do you have? And will
1: say, oh, I don't have anyone. So it's like, go get this Go get connected first, and then you can go be that profits. Yeah, because in, in that point in time, you're, you're, um, you're we're still dealing with our own. I uh, mean, everybody needs support, uh, but you also have to make sure the support
0: is can, can help is support that will
1: um, move you to change. Yeah, because yet that's why when you talk about getting spiritual support and counsel. You have to have people who don't just won't always tell you what you're doing is great, or always won't condemn you. It's, it's kind of like um, the the dynamic of, you know, if people say, "Why, well, you know," I, they don't want to go to a confession or something like that, you know, or or they, you know, you know, Saint James says, "Confess your sins to one another," which is, uh, but sometimes you confess to some people, they'll say, "You did what?
0: <laughs> How could you?"
1: Or or they'll say, "Ah, oh, well, don't worry about it." neither of which is the message needs to be heard. So you want to have support when people say, do you think that was the best thing to do? Need to know. Okay. And they won't reject you. So that, it's always that balance of those things. So just make sure, and this is what happens as long as we get support. We, and especially being a prophet, we don't want support that, especially a family system that like hates the other as much as we're we're struggling against doing. You know, people. We, we like people to take our side in conflict, but our side in the terms of the gospel is our side of growth. And our side of growth is not different from the good of the other whom we're prophesying to. Because the goal of the prophecy is that they will also have their best good. And whether we can affect it or not, our role in relationship with them is to speak it. And that they may have the opportunity. This is why silence, you know, muting our voice is it's not love, because they need to hear something that they're not hearing. You mute it because we know if we say it, we might get rejection, and that's hard. That's why the closer that happens in your family system, the more anxiety you feel. They're harder. It's, I can give this advice to you all all day long. At home, harder. Our- <laughs> well, model, you know, yeah. have a so, yeah. you know, Jesus says in Mark 6 that, you know, no, no prophet is honored in his home, hometown or among his relatives. Yeah. I, um, Jesus says in Mark 6 that no one can be a prophet in their own hometown or, like, with their relatives. are not honored there. So how do you change your hometown? How do you change your relatives?
0: You might not be able to
1: he 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 said that proverbially lot like not like nobody could ever change, but I think this is the reality of it, okay is um of course Jesus' message was different, and we have to um we'd have to be a little narcissistic to lay down the gauntlet quite like he did we can't we show them to say you know. Uh, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, you know, and therefore today the Word has been feared. You can listen to me or not. We're, we have to come with a little greater humility because we're not as, we don't speak, we're not the Word of God. We, we think we have something to bring, so we always have to a little more humility. But the the reality, Eddie, we, we talk about this in class, is um, perseverance in your ability to um, work on on, on expressing your own thoughts and feelings honestly while staying connected to the group that might not always want to hear them. Perseverance in that is your main way you can change a group. Because a system, the idea of a system is it's always interactive and therefore, and, and, and mutually dependent. This is different than our American idea of individualism, which is quite frankly wrong, which is why we're having trouble. But um, if you are a member of a body, say it has 10 members, and you're mutually interdependent, it's kind of like the physical body, St. Paul says that, you're all doing that. So um, if your arm decides it's going to start doing some different things because he thinks what it's been called to do is wrong and starts regularly being, I'm not lifting anything anymore. It's gonna affect the whole body. The whole body is gonna to have to deal with stuff. And it's gonna be mad at you. You might say, I'm lifting everything and you guys are being lazy. But so, but it will change the body. If you change them. So if you change your part, It will change if the horizon has changed, maybe numbered in years. But the point is, that's just being as a Christian in Christ, we, we would say your differentiation is your baptismal self, your true self in the Holy Spirit as you stand in that space. That's how you have your influence. And I think culturally, we've gotten used to the idea that or or acclimated to the false idea that I will change things by arguing and trying to convince those who are who will never be convinced. And it doesn't work. One reason, again, I, I don't watch much news. Why? I've never seen anybody change their opinion. Have you ever seen a, a, a contemporary debate of, of opposite sides where someone said, that's a good point. I had not thought about that. I might have to Work that into my view of the world. But the church should be able to do that, should be able to say, hmm. and I, you And know, that happens when you listen to people sometimes. You just see they're opposed to something and you think they're supposed to every good thing and, and what you want, but you listen, you go, oh, this thing upsets you this way because there are some variables that impact you. Oh, that's a little different. It doesn't mean I, be, I agree with everything you're saying, but I, now I understand why you feel differently, and it helps me to understand why I, I can be, I have to be less dogmatic, if I, if I have to take stock of others, and that's the give and take. believe this, and then as we work that out, that's what unity looks like. It's that messy interaction of individuals and community with the, with the bottom line commitment that we're not going to run away.
0: All right, let's move on and get to uh, james four
1: here um so he moves on in, in verse four adulterers and adulteresses do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with god whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of god now the desires for things are desires for things in the world and in our threefold world flesh, devil, the world is the thing that offers us, and it promotes our desire, it provokes our desire. I want that. And what James is suggesting is the inordinate desire for the things that I want offers to me under crazed, warring factions. And so he's saying being a friend with the world, believing that what the world's going to offer you is going to fulfill you, makes you... Uh, in relationship to God, in danger of adultery. And that's the primary category of the Old Testament that God talks about Israel and their unfaithfulness. She's an unfaithful bride. She goes and worships at the idol, shrines, and then comes to the temple. She makes deals with foreign rulers. She doesn't trust me. So the idea of, of, of not, of being aware of how our desires are provoked by the world and then cheerleaded by the devil. That's how. We, that's why we have to discipline. We renounce the world, the flesh, and the devil, and we we're working to reorder our desires so that um, they 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 are disciplined by the will of God and the community. And this is why. The paradox is that all morality is communal, is, is, is we observe the boundaries of love for each other's benefit, and so when I subsume my inner desire prompted by the world, when I say no to it and conform my desire to the good of the body a strange thing happens. There's a death of a part of me, but then there's also the beginning of a new kind of life. I really be connected with people. There's a closeness that actually fills me on a different level. And that's so that's the I guess the point is the world is um is an unfaithful lover. It promises things that gives you for a moment and then is gone. And then you, you that's down the road you find yourself oh um here i am by myself and now i'm cut off from things so so that's kind of the, that's the adult and prison, adult prisons. uh and that's that's brought up in the new testament in the image in revelation uh 18 about the whore of babylon who is an epitome of god's unfaithful covenant people and also if you look in the letters to the churches where you tolerate this woman Jezebel, the unfaithful spirit, this spiritual adultery to not be wholeheartedly committed to God, which means, and this is what we really have to hear, you can't be wholeheartedly committed to Christ and also be committed to his body. Inasmuch as you did it to the, one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Can't, and that's that's where the, the idea that the more narcissistic functioning where I think God calls me to do this, so I run you over.
0: But you bear the image of Christ, so if I run, I'm running Christ over. And again, so all that dynamic comes in with that whole thing. The friendship
1: with the world, is it makes us an enemy of God. We need to be zealous for the, for God's will and the good of the body and be cautious about what the world offers us that pulls us away
0: Verse 5, Or do you think the scripture says in vain, the spirit
1: that dwells in us yearns jealousy, but he gives more grace? In other words, the spirit's been planted in us, and it, it, God wants union with us, and the spirit yearns for something, but it, the world, the flesh, and the devil pulls in a different
0: direction. Therefore, he says, God resists the, pr-
1: the proud but gives grace to the humble. I think that's been articulated out in the verses that follow. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. Now, here's a really important word, submit. And if there's something that's kind of like almost foreign to the American psyche is this word submit. We started out as a country by throwing you know tea into the ocean and not submitting. And not suggesting there wasn't cause for uh not going there. I'm just saying that in our bones, there's I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to. And so we come sometimes to church. You get that revolutionary I don't know what the church. Is. I'm not going to. I'm not going to submit. And yet um we have in our Reading from Luke at morning prayer this week, the epitome of the the people of God in Mary, behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. I will submit. I will bring myself under dominion of the word of God. And submission involves trust. I will trust God that what he's got for me is the best. That's hard, I have to do it again and again and again. That's what submission means. It doesn't mean servile obedience without a voice. And, and the submitting to the body is submitting to the good of the body, which means, yes, using your voice for the good, but not running away from it. So this, you, that most of the ideas of submission are um, by the, the caricature of, of, the, of the doormat, who just submits and can never speak what they want true submission is strong. And the reason we actually can't, this is why he says he he resists the uh, the proud, gives grace to the humble. It takes real humility and strength to submit. Most of us can't submit because our pride gets provoked.
0: But our Lord can submit
1: because he is holy obedient unto death, the death of the cross. He willing, he had the strength of character to to submit under the will of God for him, even though it it caused a lot of, he had to shouts and suffering. We have trouble doing and we, and and that's what we have to work on, to submit. Again, it's, all these things are balanced in what submission means. Doesn't mean doing everything everybody in church asks us to do, but it means here being submitted to the word of God for our lives and submitted to the greater good of the body in my actions. What that actually means is hard. Yet to work it out, but that's the principle and the ideal. So you don't know what to do, but you're going to stay in your prayer and you're going to try to figure out what that means. And, and, and you're going to be, but, but you'll practice will practice being able to take the low place and let somebody else
0: get all the attention. And then it says, this is the paradox. Um, he gives grace to the humble. Submit
1: yourself. He a submit to God, resist the devil, he will flee from you. And the resisting of the devil here in this idea of world and flesh is, um, the dynamic of the spiritual life goes where the world offers me, my flesh wants it, I might even stumble, and then the devil comes in to continually say the tempter and then the accuser, and that whole pattern ultimately ends in despair because we stumble and fall and stumble and fall, we end up miserable. The devil says, You hey, just did that. We don't even have the strength of faith to go back. That's so resist the devil, we say no, we understand where his voice of tempting is going. So we said we resist that and he would go away. This is I think James has in mind here the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. Jesus is is, is uh faithful and the devil goes away and the angels came. So when we're in a time of tempting or testing. We have to hold on to it, and eventually you're gonna go away and we'll yeah. So,
0: so the more we grow in faith it means we get less problem with
1: food. or more intensely because I can only say that my experience is that you only grow by facing hard things, unfortunately. I don't know anybody who grows in their faith. In a very significant way who doesn't face hard things so you're more likely to to progress in the difficulty of things you face because and 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 if you think about the right way you can think about maybe god thinks you can handle this and now he's putting you in a a more significant place in the great battle because you're now a soldier who has more strength Whereas in the beginning, you were a child, you needed to be treated a little bit more with kid gloves. Okay, they're there. And so, um but those who
0: have the charmed life,
1: and and, and usually my experience is it's never as charmed as it looks. But I don't find deep faith,
0: refined, purified faith in the charmed life. I okay. think this this whole section here that like really the formula for God will that you feel give you Well and, and let's let's <laughs> let's let's look at something in this too here because it, it's it's um, we want to remember that the
1: reward we're seeking is union with God. And it is through temptation and prayer through times of trial, that we grow in that union with God, his cross, the cross of our Lord, that also already contains within it the the hope and taste of resurrection. And one of the things that trials also do, this is a big thing in our time, is they, they tend to detach us more from the world. Because one of the problems of being friends with the world is, when we believe the lie that the world has what we want, we're pursuing it. What difficulties in the world, intractable difficulties of whatever they might be, we realize, oh, this isn't going to, the world's not going to give me what I want. Then we begin to hold on to Christ more. Begin to live in the kingdom more. We experience something in there that the world can't give us. And it's a paradox of cross and resurrection. There are great consolations in that space. But there's no great mystical experience in a place of continuous and unending comfort. So that's... Um,
0: and it, there's a pain to it because you have to die to
1: the idea that the world's going to give you what you want. In a world where everybody is telling you the world can give you what you want, the whole Christmas season, the every single advertisement tells you, here's this thing. Christmas this way, like it is on this, you know, postcard. This product, this thing. And the, the growth means you realize, I, listen, I'm not saying you don't know, give presents. I'm just saying you don't believe the lie, and that allows you to moderate and be less. I need this. I need this. You know, I don't really. I had someone say to me one time, the bigger the ring, the shorter the leash. <laughs> you become a slave to whatever, <laughs> whatever it is. Well, yeah, that's right. That's what um, John Charles used to, who's a Franciscan monk, he used to come teach schools of prayer. He was a very, very, pretty well known Anglican bishop worldwide. But he, uh, he he became a Franciscan, he said, because he, he discovered that his, he didn't own his things, the things owned him.
0: So, draw near,
1: and this is, gets on to this kind of, you know, say, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. For what? For your attachment to the world, which is being exposed as nothing. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. Notice that he will lift you up. He will lift you up in the kingdom through the spirit and begin to meet your, those needs at a deeper level of connection and relation. And this is why I think I've discovered that horizons of prayer really need to be thought of in terms of years. Talking to someone the other day and, and mentioning that to, them. But wait a minute, I, you know, they want to pray for something. We're looking for a, an answer in a couple, you know, like now. And but we stay in the space of, of
0: turning away, cleansing, purifying,
1: asking, seeking. And we wake up sometimes, oh, look what's happened. God has come and provided that which none of the things I had to walk away from could have remotely life.
0: He will lift up. Yes yeah you know it almost sounds like laughter or, or you know enjoying yourself is
1: bad. you know it says you know you turn your laughter into mourning and your joy to gloom. It almost sounds like it's it 's bad to have a you know to, to laugh and to enjoy enjoy things is what it sounds like yeah a, a surface reading of that could get that i again I think what you 're getting here with um uh, James here is an echo of Jesus in, uh, there's a Sermon on the Mount, there's also the Sermon on the Plain in Luke, where Jesus says, woe to you who laugh now, you're going to mourn. Woe to you who are rich now, it's going to, it's going to change. And remember, the Beatitudes say, blessed are those who mourn, they're going to be comforted. So what he's saying is, he's not prohibiting, uh, I actually think that
0: The true development of faith,
1: of faith in Christ, the community, actually produces a genuine mirth. But Chesterton said, the one that will be revealed at the end is the mirth that we didn't see. But the laughter is about laughter connected with merely worldly enjoyments. We're all just happy and it's all great. And, and, and James is saying, this stuff is all going away. So have your joy rooted in the thing that doesn't go away. And again, it's James speaks in hyperbole and and black and white categories. But we have to understand he's not saying don't laugh at a joke you hear on TV or don't be happy. He's making a general connection of the, like Jesus did in the Sermon on the Plain and Blue, between... The deep, connect, the deep rootedness in the world and its kind of ephemeral laughter and the deep connection to Christ and the kingdom and its joy and peace, which will have its own sense of of, of, of laughter at, at, in all the right ways.
0: Sometimes, too, to do that growth, we have to get to grief. We have to really grieve like, oh, like, I can't have that. We have to say no.
1: Well, that's, and I think there's, uh, Connie's getting us something that's really, really important. So if you're going to be aware of your attachment to the world and begin to detach um, from it, there will be a grief, because it's given you comforts. And so you have to detach and mourn and let go in order for the other, because you can't, unless you understand Everything you let go of, even things that may not have been good for you, always require a certain validating of the grief. You lost something. You're willing to lose it, you're you're giving it up. But, um, you know, it's, it's, I'm sure that, for example, the fishermen or Matthew, when they walked away to follow Jesus, you know, is rendered so simplistically, there's no question that some point in time later on, you know, James and John are thinking it'd be nice to go down and fish. I miss that. I miss no. But but so you you yes. I, but you're letting go of it, and mourning is a human process that you have to acknowledge. When you're and this is why when you're sad, admit you're sad and be sad. It doesn't have to overwhelm you but it, it, it needs to be processed let's move on to verse 11. do not speak evil of one another brethren he who speaks evil of a brother judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law but if you judge the law you are not a doer of the law but a judge so um, he's speaking here of the law saying you shall love your neighbors yourself that's from the Torah. That's a verse from Leviticus incidentally. So Jesus creates the summary of the law that we say in the liturgy every week. Love God with your heart, soul, and mind, love your neighbor yourself. Those are two Torah verses. Deuteronomy six or eight and Leviticus, I believe it's like 19. So if you're to love your neighbor, the whole point of all the rules is don't, don't kill him. Don't cheat with the spouse, don't all those things, those are all under the rubric of love. In you know, love, you have to have some boundaries. So when you speak evil, you're not fulfilling the law. You're 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 um you're judging the law. And here the point would be again the nuance, and I think he would he'd be thinking here of of uh, speaking evil, the wars and fights, it kinda of harks back to, to verse one. It's easy to like, I'm hanging out with you guys and my enemy's over there. Yeah, that. Dude. It's harder for me to say, you know, I'm not going to slander it here. I'm going to go talk to him.
0: Like some of the truth. Do you know what they're doing? Have,
1: have you thought about talking with them about that? Oh, no. I want you to do that. I won't to, to do
0: that. <laughs>
1: so, the point of. of um, Judging is, it's not that, at least gets back to the prophetic thing, it's not that your brother may have not, not done something wrong, it's that don't speak evil and slander him. Go, as, as Jesus says in Matthew 18, tell him your fault between you and him alone. And then if, if, if there's any larger church discipline necessary, you, you do it in a way that we really love this brother. But the slander is not loving his brother. We do that because we want that person to pay because they've they've offended me and they should we want them to pay. But that gets into forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. It doesn't that bitterness begins to consume us. Our anger at them eats us up. And that person who's wronged us ends up determining a lot of how we behave. That's why righteous action, forgiveness, letting go. I'm not gonna let my anger at you
0: form my whole life. Well,
1: we go a couple of minutes over here today. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who are you to judge him? And so you fulfill, we fulfill our duty of love in relationship to another. We don't condemn let Jesus, Jesus is the judge that's what Jesus meant when he said judge not lest you be judged he didn't say don't ever tell your brother they did the wrong thing sister come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city spend a year there buy and sell and make a profit whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow What is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance, all such boasting is evil.
0: This is a general um,
1: approach to life. And it doesn't mean, even James doesn't say, like, you can't plan but plan with humility and discernment. I mean, I think God's calling us to do this. Whether God's calling us to do this will be tested by the, by the way it unfolds. And we, as opposed to, yeah, okay. It's like the old, I remember back earlier on in our church, like people wanted, what's our 10 year plan?
0: Yeah.
1: It's like, that's pretty ambitious, you know? And if you well, we're gonna grow to here, 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 here. It's like, I realize you can, you can talk about what you feel Christ is calling us to do, I think we're been called to to, to maybe develop these kinds of gifts and this kind of ministry. But and if the Lord wills, you know, we'll see. So have a humility with our life direction. Uh, we we think this is God's will. We pray for it. We we and we have that back and forth between our own desires and what we're called to walk away from and pronounce mourn through how it's gonna be refined, how God's gonna fill it in the way he means to, we gotta wrestle with that. So that's why, if the Lord wills is an important um,
0: caveat on all things. Not, But not one that
1: the world won't So like. they want a plan. How are you gonna do this? It's like, just think how silly that is. Like you could determine, you could really lay out a plan for that long, you know, and, and so. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it to him, it is sin. So,
0: again, for James, it is action. And again, to to sum up this chapter, it's action for love and community.
1: And that's not an easy thing. It's not, and that's why it makes it hard because we want, Tell me just tell me what to do. What we get to do is pray about it, discern, get some wise counsel, maybe okay, I think this is the thing. So there's always a kind of okay. Trying to and that's how we live in relationship with God. That's what makes life rich.
0: That's how we'll ultimately be fulfilled. Up
1: there. Pray. The Lord bless us and keep us. The Lord make his face to shine upon us, be gracious unto us. Lord, lift up his countenance upon us and
0: give us peace this day and forever. Good to be with you all.